welcome. Welcome back. I'm Latara. My name's Laura. And this is Passions Podcast. Yep, we did it. We did it. That you know, that's all it takes. No fuss, no muss. That's all it takes. We always we always do too much. Well, I always do too much. I always feel like I must be extremely entertaining from jump. Yeah. And that's not true. I was like, no one I cares. Have to, I have to be funny. <laughs> I'm, if they're not laughing in the first 30 seconds, y'all have lost them. I failed. I failed as a person. Okay. Welcome to Passions Podcast. This is the podcast where we watch and then dissect the greatest soap opera of 1999. And oh my God. To, and the 1999-2000, 2001-2003-4-5-6-7-8. Y'all, this show is getting so good. Yeah. We're it is getting so good. We're at the point where like every episode, I'm just like, oh my God, this show's so good. I love this show. We're at the point where I'm like, oh, this is why I loved Passions. Mm. And uh, I'm so glad we're getting into it. Me too. It took 200 episodes. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> no, you know, it got, it's been good. It, it's had its lulls, mm-hmm. you know? It's been good though, from the beginning, to me anyway. I'm not a big TV watcher, mm-hmm. so I'm already like a little like averse to it. The beginning was very slow, and I was like, well, I guess this is what soap operas are. <laughs> well, but the it has, faith it, stuff. It has picked up, thank goodness. The faith stuff took forever, but we got a shit ton of like crazy stuff too at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They really suck you in with the magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's the reason I kept watching it was was 100% Timmy and Tabitha. Ugh. That's why. Oh, my God. The Timmy... And Tabitha montages this week. Beautiful. Oh, I, one of them, I like almost cried. (laughs) We'll get to it. Okay. So, uh, let's get started. We're talking about episodes 196 through 200, right? Yeah. Can you believe it? 200. 200 episodes of this show we've watched. I'm proud of us. Yeah. This is really, it's an accomplishment. This is the longest I've ever committed to anything. I mean, that's a lot of episodes for you. Yeah. It is. It really is. Like, I know people probably think I sound crazy. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not a TV person. Like, I don't, I don't, I've watched more of it this year because it's been a pandemic. But even then, it's a bit of a chore for me. Yeah. I don't know why I don't like that about myself. It's because I can't fucking relax. (laughs) I don't know. I, you know, for me, I can sit down and watch, I can sit down and watch a show for three days straight. I start getting antsy on like the third episode. And not stop watching. And don't, and I don't want to stop watching. No, I get, you've seen it because we live together, but I will, I just get up and start doing stuff because I can't sit on the couch and watch TV that long. Like I just just can't do it yeah no i i love i have a deep love for television yeah, yeah. i'm envious it's a skill it's a talent well thank you I, you know nobody's ever said that to me before but thank you i appreciate it i mean i got i gotta have a talent somehow right like what, yeah. a, what where's my talent <laughs> she's a talentless <laughs> hack my talent is watching tv <laughs> gross <laughs> all right let's get into this shit okay let's, let's talk about shoeies let's right? start with shoeies here we go Luis flies to Paris to rescue Sheridan. The two lovebirds have a serendipitous and infuriating meeting that begins beautifully but ends in disaster when Luis mentions Jean-Luc, Interpol, and drug smuggling but has lost the facts with all of the important information. Sheridan basically does Roger's job for him and kidnaps herself. She learns Luis was right all along. Meanwhile, Pierre tries to kill her, but bungles the job, and Sheridan tries to reason with her kidnappers to release her. Luis finally tries to involve the Parisian police, but no one takes him seriously. I like that. Thank you. It's great. Thanks. I I didn't write it. The the show 
runners did. <laughs> no, you wrote the you wrote yeah. the summary. I mean, though. I wrote the summary, but <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this. We have gotten so many Shuis montages, and I know I said that the last time, but like it is getting ridiculous. It's very obvious to me that they are catching people up because we just get montage after montage of, so that they don't have to do it in dialogue. And yeah. it's old. It's tired. So uh, Luis is on the Concord to Paris dreaming. He's still trying to figure out what the fuck he did to, Par- uh, to Paris, what the <laughs> fuck he did to Sheridan. Right. And then a very flirtatious uh flight attendant comes over but you know what i can't blame her look at that man and they put him on a black turtleneck y'all like of course they did he's going to paris when you're in paris you wear a black turtleneck you wear a black turtleneck and if you're a man you wear a black leather jacket and if you're feeling fancy then you put on a beret or a scarf oh my gosh he looked good he did look good i understood why the flight attendant invited herself to sit next to him i mean it was also the only empty seat on the airplane like i get it she's tired yeah, but take but a load off they, with the guy they have their own seats <laughs> i know <laughs> they don't sit with the guests well you you sit with the guests if you're trying to get laid by one i will mm, that's mm, that's true <laughs> yeah she comes over and tries to chat him up but he he basically makes it very clear that he's preoccupied, you know, his mind yeah. somewhere else. And she's like, what are you thinking about? And so he tells her the whole story and she's like, hmm, I'm pretty jealous of that Sheridan woman. I sure wish I was Sheridan. I'm blonde. Maybe I could be here for the night. It sounds like you love her. And he's like, love her? I could never. He's like, I just don't want her to get murdered. I don't love Sheridan. Harumph. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he also is still like going over like i don't even know if this jean luc is the same the right jean luc like i cannot believe this man is flying to paris <laughs> <laughs> on a goddamn whim he's got he's got one page he has a one page fax and is like i should fly to paris with this i can't well, actually believe. pilar was like you should fly to paris with this <laughs> i cannot it, pilar of all people especially considering the way she was like our families should not be together. Like it would not be a good thing for you and Sheridan to get involved. And then you're going to send him to Paris. Yeah. Like she sent him to Paris knowing that Sheridan is in love with him and that he is in love with Sheridan, Mm. but she wants to keep them apart. It doesn't make any sense. What was her reasoning for keeping them apart? I don't even remember. It's just that she feels it will be dangerous for her son, which she's right. Yeah. She's she's not wrong. I mean, but then she sends him into danger because Louise is going to save Sheridan from a drug lord yeah yeah whatever okay so Luis gets to paris he looks for sheridan he goes to the hotel to knock on her door right yes and she has already left well when he gets there he knocks on her door and then a maid tells him that sheridan has gone out for the night and that she said she was going to meet a man Mm. um because earlier in the night sheridan like told this maid her entire life story everything about her she did yeah why do people do that i worked at a hotel and people would just tell me everything about their lives like i don't need to know about your divorce and your three kids and like where the bodies are buried like i don't need to know unimportant Mm -mm. there's a million things i haven't done (laughs) just you wait no i worked in retail all through college and People would tell me the craziest story. I would hear about horrible car crashes and funerals. Never anything good. Just yeah. like just like terrible loss. And I, like I'm not. Look, I'm not your therapist. Yeah, I'm not qualified to deal with this. My job is to ring up your jewelry. Yeah, that's Pe- my job. People will tell you about you know tell me about oh I was supposed to come here with my boyfriend like all kinds of stuff. I'm like uh-huh. I don't need to know this lady. Yeah, and I don't care. 
Yeah, and don't put your emotional stuff on me, like on a stranger. I think that's I think that's what it is, though. It's easier to talk about personal, deep, hurtful things with someone you don't know than with someone you do know. That does not resonate with me at all. I think for a lot of people who are really cut off from their emotional, from their social emotional side, that that's very true. Okay. I, I, I think I'm very cut off, but I'm like cut off to everyone. Like, no, I think you have plenty of social emotional competencies and I walk around in the world and see a lot of people who don't. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where those are the Karens who are taking things out on their servers or, you know, or flight attendants who try to hit on Luis. <laughs> that would be me. That would be me. I love, I love Luis. I, all right. So let's keep talking about this. So Sheridan has told this um made where she's going which was actually smart of her mm-hmm. and luckily she did tell this made all of this mm-hmm. um but so sheridan leaves and she's like there's one place i gotta go first and where does she go she goes to the church where mm-hmm. she met that nun notre she, dame where she used to pray for diana remember it's was it notre, notre dame yes oh shit i didn't remember that and yeah she goes and she pr- prays the most selfish prayer i've ever fucking heard she prays to the virgin mary to help her forget louise well, and also, like, <laughs> I have to have a life without Louise. Uh, help me find a man who's going to be there for me and won't use me. Like, where are your thank yous? I was taught to pray for, gra- like, when you pray, it's like gratitude. Oh, she must be Catholic. <laughs> it's like you don't ask for things. I mean, you ask for things in a way, but mm-hmm. it, the whole prayer, can- the prayer has to be like, you have to, st- you have to start out with like, Thank you, God, for all of your blessings and all that you have bestowed upon us. Blah, 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 blah. If you see fit, could you please send me a man? Thank you again. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) But she just came in hot. Like, I want this. 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 She seems to have mixed up God and Santa Claus. (laughs) And neither are bringing you anything. (laughs) Nope. Uh, so she goes to the church. She prays the selfish ass prayer. Then she goes to, uh, the cafe again for dinner, but then she, but she was supposed dinner. To, but she was also supposed to be going to meet Jean-Luc. And then she also said she was meeting friends for dinner later. Right. How many none dinners, of that makes any sense. I mean, I eat like four dinners, but I don't think Sheridan does. Look at her. Well, so, she sat there and didn't eat. Did well, she, she even drink a coffee? I think she had like a tea or something. Oh, okay. Because then the waiter was like, do you want to, do you want to order food? And she's like, no, thank you. Yeah. Cause it was like a place that she and Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc used to go to a lot. Oh, I thought it was interesting. The, the server mentioned, oh, I hadn't seen you or Jean-Luc in many, many months. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Sheridan should have picked up on that. Well, she says, I can't speak for Jean-Luc, but I've been out of the country, mm-hmm. which I mean, you know. Jean-Luc's been out of the world. Out of this, blown out of this world. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense though, because she would think this is a place we came a lot and hopefully he was a little bit hurt by our breakup Mm. and doesn't want to relive bad memories, even though I'm here doing that. Mm -hmm. Sheridan. Sheridan, Sheridan, Sheridan. Sheridan. There's so many places. Anyway, she's there. Louise has gone to her hotel, has been told that she's not there, but has not been told where she is. Right, right. Worth mentioning, he doesn't know where she is, but he's walking around and he's like, you know, I'm fucking starving. I hadn't eaten anything. I've been through five different time zones. Let's get a little sandwich. And he walks up to the cafe and who should be leaving at the exact same time? Sheridan. Sheridan walks out of this cafe and runs into Louise and is ecstatic to see him. Both of them are all teeth. They're just smiling and laughing and batting eyelashes. And I'm going to tell you right now. If I flew to Paris and a man that I had had 
had fought with and we were not together and any actually anybody any person at all had followed me to Paris France I would be terrified for my fucking life and he had been blocked from her calls yeah right like she'd already blocked him like she's made it very clear I don't want to see you I don't want to talk to you you know and and we know from watching the show that Louise is trying to save her life but yes me personally I think I told you this but I'll, I'll say it again my ex lives in Ohio. I moved, what, 600 miles away, not to get away from him, but I am away from him and things are better for it. I heard from this motherfucker recent, recently that he might be moving to New York City. Fuck him. And I'm like, 600 miles and, not, and you're going to travel this? Imagine 6,000. Mm. Sheridan flew over the fucking ocean and yeah. this guy is still going to show up at her door. Insane. Cr- terrifying. De- absolutely terrifying. Terrifying. Well, but she does not feel the way we feel. No. She is grinning ear to ear, okay? And uh, she's like, you flew all, all the way to Paris for me? There's so much I want to show you. I want to show you the city. He's like, I would like that. And then a man comes up and is like, a lovely rose for the American couple. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so Louise buys her a rose and gives it to her. And everything's, they're all smiles and happy. And then Louise is like, I need to talk to you about something. And because, of course, he needs to talk to you about something. He flew all the way to fucking Paris. Not to buy you a street rose and yeah. go to the Louvre. Yeah. On his limited budget. Right. This must be important. Right. Right. Either either it's extremely important or you are here to kill me. <laughs> right. Which is also extremely important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he says, I need to talk to you about something. It's about what we talked about before. And then a, Sheridan takes a turn. Right. Oh, the mood shifts completely. And she goes off. What do you mean Jean-Luc's involved in drugs? That can't be my guy. I would never be involved with someone like that. How dumb do you think I am? Exactly, exactly. And where are you even getting this information? You don't even know this person's last name. There's like six million Jean-Luc's in in Paris. Like, why are you really here? Why are you? Yeah, she just goes off on him. Well, he says, well, I have this fax from Interpol and I just want to check the aliases, his aliases against your Jean-Luc. And I can't remember the, the name. And then he's looking for it. And he realizes he's dropped it somewhere. What the fuck? Also, how do you not remember his name is Jean-Luc Moulin? I mean, it's only a great Disney movie. Oh, I was thinking like the Moulin Rouge. Oh, I, I'm sure it's spelled that way. But I was, of course, thinking Moulin with yeah. Mushu. How do you, how do you, I mean, also this guy's supposed to be so dangerous and this, you're so worried about Sheridan. How do you fucking forget? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you forget? Well, is that just forgot. me? No, no, it's anyway, not just you. He lost the facts, so he's just been careless with the facts, and then he doesn't remember the facts. <laughs> and um, so she's like, "Yeah, right. Sure, you had a fact. Sure, Interpol got in touch with you. Whatever." And then he sees that he dropped it across the street because he had like made a phone call to to recap to Sam. <laughs> <laughs> For he made a long distance collect phone call to Sam. <laughs> Uh, and he had dropped it there. So he p- goes back across the street to pick it up. And when he turns around, Sheridan is gone. Disappeared. Oh yeah. Into the ether. Yeah. She's gone. Uh, and she heads over to kidnap herself. Basically. She goes to Jean-Luc's cottage country home. Yeah. She heads up to Jean-Luc's home where, uh, Roger and his goon Pierre are waiting for him or for her waiting for her. 
And when they invite her in, they couldn't look more threatening. I mean, they they are wearing black. They look sinister. To Their be faces. fair, everybody's wearing black. Yeah, but they wear it differently. <laughs> to be fair, everyone in Paris everyone right now is wearing w- black. Every single person we saw in these scenes was wearing black. But... It doesn't look like a ski mask would be part of that ensemble. <laughs> and for some reason with Roger and Pierre, it looks like they just need a pair of like nylon tights over their faces or something like they just look sinister to me. I don't know. Yeah. But well, she shows up to Jean-Luc's country. She, this bitch drove out to the country. <laughs> she drove out to the country to give this man his pocket watch or whatever the fuck who cheated on her while she was in the other room and had planned on using her. Like she knows these things for sure. Mm-hmm. She drove no motherfucking way. I throw that shit into the sand before I fucking drove out there to give him that shit. Mm-mm. You either come get it or you don't. Yeah, sir. Or if you really want to return it, mail it, put it in the mail, FedEx, courier it <laughs> DHL period. Because no fucking way would I be putting gas in my goddamn car. And driving to the the countryside of France. She has ulterior motives. You know, you don't go see someone who has hurt you like this and done this over such a small for such a small reason unless you have another motive. Well, honey, she gets there and she go. They open the door, greet her, and uh, she goes, "Oh, I'm here to meet Jean Luc. Is he here?" And they say. Oh, we've been expecting you. Jean-Luc told us you would be coming. He said he would be right back. Come on in. Make yourself comfortable. And she goes, which is what I would have done. I was like, I just came to drop something off. Can you give it to him, basically? And they're like, oh, but he really wanted to see you. To which I would have said, fuck him. If he really wanted to see me, he should he have been be here. here. Mm-hmm. If he really wanted to see me, he would have returned one of my 10 phone calls, answered my messages, come to the fucking uh, cafe when I told him I was going to be at the cafe. Like, there's, he had a million fucking chances. Yeah. And he didn't see her. I mean, he's blown to smithereens. Sheridan doesn't right. know that. But the way I would be feeling, I'd be pissed the fuck off. The way I, the way I am now. I would have been pissed off and I would have left. But I think back to when I was 25 and I probably would have stuck around because I didn't, because I didn't care about myself. I didn't respect myself the way that I do now. No, I didn't respect my time that way. No, no. I, I've always had like a a certain level of fucking like pride in that. If I'm going to get my feelings hurt, I'm going to get them hurt one time. Mm-hmm. By one, by the same person. Like I'm not gonna. I refuse to get my feelings hurt more than once by the same person. Mm-hmm. And I've just always been like that. Like I just, I'm not gonna let you hurt me more than once. Mm-hmm. And that's just because it hurt my pride to be to have my feelings hurt that I let you hurt me in the first place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I. Mm, but that's no, what, I definitely wouldn't have driven out there at 15, 16. I would have done it. But that's why I think that Sheridan has an ulterior motive of actually maybe wanting to get back with Jean Luc because why else would she be there? Why else would she put herself out this way? put herself out there like this and why else would she wait for him no I you know agree what I with mean you. I agree with you 100% she she's just looking look searching desperately for somebody to love her which is crazy because the reason that she went to Paris was because she was too prideful supposedly to stay in harmony right like it's this is so opposite of what her character is or what we've been told that she is who she is I don't know I'm, yeah if you were gonna if you wanted to just like beg for love from people who treat you badly you could have stayed at the crane mansion right Julian's right there (laughs) (laughs) that's what you want (laughs) he'll beat you up as much as you need yes (laughs) so she they say can you come in we'll get you some tea he'll be right back she's like okay and she kidnaps herself like bitch is caught (laughs) (laughs) oh she kidnapped 
kidnapped herself. Yeah. And oh, I love this. As she's like walking around looking at things, she's like, oh, it's exactly as I remember. The goon just kept Pierre, just kept pulling out that gun and like pointing it at her yes! dramatically. Yes. And then she would turn around and he'd hide it quickly behind his back. It I was took, so funny. I took a screenshot of it. I took a video of it because it cracked me <laughs> up. He kept pulling it out slowly and then he would point it and then. Oh, nothing to see here. Yeah. There Nos- was so- wait, 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 wait. Nothing to see here. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I know that's so offensive. All right. So um, she has kidnapped herself. Then uh, Roger is like, let me get you some tea. Uh, Jean-Luc should be back any moment. Pierre's about to shoot her, like and- in the head behind her. And then Roger's like, no, I changed my mind. And like- they, they pull, he pulls him to the side. He's like, a gun and a bullet is too messy. Well, it's too or easy, too to, easy trace. to trace. Too, too easy, easy to, to trace. trace. A bomb isn't? I guess not because it explodes. Well, <laughs> but you still get pieces of the bomb. You still get fragments, well, whatever. Can we also talk? He's like, maybe we should just do it like we did the last time. Put a, plant a car bomb on her car. They just driving around with car uh, bomb parts? I guess. They just drive around with bomb parts? Latara, they're dangerous people. Or is Pierre just like the MacGyver of France? And did he just like <laughs> get like a, you know, like a hose and a a fork and like, you know, make a bomb. I mean, I'm pretty sure they just reused the the same footage from like episode six. (laughs) Well, it didn't know because there weren't any dynamite sticks. Oh, I thought Remember there were. Remember last time it was like those hot dog yeah, dynamite sticks. I thought there were. No, Tabitha has the dynamite Oh, that's what it is. I'm mixing up my dynamite. Tabitha has the dynamite. That's right. A lot of bombs in these five episodes. Very Acme core. Yeah, it's so good. Um, So he goes outside to put the bomb on her car. Sheridan finally just gets frustrated yeah she's like fuck this i'm i'm not doing this anymore because she doesn't know that she's about to be murdered (laughs) yeah she still doesn't know she's in any danger at all (laughs) uh and she's like i don't think i want to wait for jean-luc anymore and so i'm gonna i'm gonna go drive home now and she gets in the car and she turns that key but the ignition won't turn over the car won't start yeah and uh roger is talking to me here he's like what the hell is going on? Why won't it explode? And Pierre's like, well, you, she had, she came out too soon. You, I didn't have enough time to finish the bomb. And so she got out of the car and she's like, they were like, Oh, Pierre's like, I'll take a look at it. And she says, it's no problem. Just, I'll just call a cab. Just tell Jean-Luc I'm going to come pick my car back up tomorrow. Have it towed away tomorrow. And then they whip that gun out. And Sheridan sees her life flash before her eyes. Yeah. Pierre says, uh, no ma'am, you're not going anywhere. You're staying right here. So why don't you have a seat? Why don't you hang up that phone? We're not calling the cab company. And at this moment, the villains explain everything. Everything. They do the villain speech that happens at the end of the movie, but they do it now. And they're like, this is who we are. This is why we're dangerous. This is how Jean-Luc is related to us. This is why we're going to kill you. And she realizes, fuck, Louise Louise has been right right the whole time. Louise was right. And Mm. I was wrong. And he flew all this way to save me. And I treated him like shit. Maybe I should go to therapy to learn how to communicate with this man. And then she starts to think, but why did he fly all this way, even though he was using me in harmony? Because he wasn't. She doesn't know it. She doesn't know it. She doesn't know know it. I have to try and be kind and remember that she just doesn't know much of anything, to be honest. Sheridan only has small pieces of different puzzles. It's just that the the, the more I see of it, the more absurd it gets. Well, because he is just bending over backwards for her. Yeah, but his his delivery isn't great and he also doesn't always say 
what he means. He's not direct enough. Say what you need to say. Seriously. Sheridan needs to say what she needs to say too, though. Well, she says to the goon, Pierre and Roger, I'm from an important, wealthy family. If I go missing, people will know and they will come looking for me. And you've cre- you're creating a big problem for yourself. You don't even realize that you should probably just let me go. Yeah, and then uh, Roger walks over to the phone, calls her hotel, and tells the person at the front desk, um, yes, Madam Crane won't be attending dinner tonight to let her friends know she's fine, blah, blah, blah. She's going to be in the country for a few days. Yeah, she's going to be in the country for a few days. So if you don't hear from her, don't worry. Look, if if a man called on my behalf anywhere and said, Laura's going to be missing for a few days, don't worry, nothing nothing to worry about, um... The exact opposite would happen. I'd be like, no, no. If a man calls and says your friend will be missing for a few days, don't think about it. I immediately am jumping to, oh my God, she's been kidnapped and is going to be murdered. Well, the thing is, I'm think I'm looking at this from the perspective of like the front desk person. Like we don't know the, when you work at the front desk, you don't know these, you don't know the guests. You don't know these people. Sometimes you have long, I had some long-term guests that I got to know pretty well. And it seems like the people at this hotel know Sheridan, yeah, right? Yeah. And my, my, what I wonder is, is does she normally have someone else call on her behalf? Like rich people have like assistants and stuff that do things mm-hmm. like that for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I could see that being kind of working. But I agree with you 100%. It's definitely suspicious and fishy. And I don't know how I would feel about it, especially considering some man, other man was here looking for her. Right. Yeah, there's just there's too much suspicious activity going on and some alarm bells should be ringing. But also you're right. If you're the front desk person and you're like, I don't really know what what do you do in that situation? I don't know. And uh, so Luis has gone back to the airport and he's debating on whether he should get back on the plane or not. And he finally is like, this is crazy. I'm getting on the plane. He gets on the plane and he's like. I got to get off this plane. Sheridan's in trouble. <laughs> That's the short of it, honestly. Yeah. And he gets back off the plane and he goes to uh, the police. And I was like, finally, someone's going to the right place. Yeah. And Luis goes to the Parisian uh, department and tries to involve them. And they won't. They won't hear it. And they don't go for it. And it kind of makes sense. It, the way that they say it, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. The way it was framed by them, I was like, yeah. yeah. It, the, he, the, the police officer was like, basically like, first of all, you don't know this man's last name. Mm-hmm. Like, who hurt her, Jean-Luc. And there's so many, there's a million Jean-Lucs in Paris. And then he goes, and it sounds like you're stalking her. Yeah. Because I called the, her hotel and they said that you that she had your calls blocked. Yeah. But the easy fix, again, this is Luis where it's like, why don't you just be direct and say, look, I lost the facts. I need to call my my police department, my precinct, get the information. And then I and then and then go to the police department and say, hey, here's my badge. No, he had the facts at that point. Oh, did he have the yeah, facts? He had the facts at that point. He, remember, he found it and she oh, right, and turned right, around. Right, she right, was right, gone. Right, right. So he had the facts. He gave it to them. But he the, the problem is he doesn't know that the Jean-Luc in the facts is the same Jean-Luc that Sheridan was dating. Yeah. Then you lie well then you fucking lie and you say this man was dating my friend she's missing i can't get a hold of her we did have a history together we're not together anymore but the fact that she's missing is suspicious i don't know i just again i think that luis needs to be 
much more direct. So Luis has like run into a dead end here because he says to the police officer, well, at least give me this man's address, Jean-Luc's address. And they're like, we're not in the business of giving people's addresses out. <laughs> Especially you're in this country. You're not, you're not an officer of the law in this country. Yeah, why would I do give, you think you are right? Why would I give anyone your personal information? Yeah. And so they refuse to help him and tell him to leave before they arrest him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Which, he runs into a dead end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's basically where we leave it. Sheridan's trying to talk her way out of this murder. Luis is trying to find her. Pierre and Roger looks like they're about to get what they want. Yep. We should travel back, to, back Harmony. to Harmony. Yeah. And talk about these adults and their troubled marriages. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You ready? Oh, my God. Here we go. Eve finally learns that the missing bird statue has been taken to the Harmony dump. She and Julian go looking for it, but their hunt is interrupted when Sam and TC also show up in search of the bird. Little do they know, a homeless man has discovered the statue. He connects with Ivy, who placed an ad for the statue in the classifieds, and she takes the statue home for inspection. Meanwhile, TC finally tells Sam some background about his career-ending tennis injury. We learn that he was at a regional final playing against Julian Crane when something happened. We don't get all the details, but TC is convinced Julian was behind the injury, which is why TC has carried a grudge against him all these years. Good. So uh, let's get into it, huh? I am so tired of this bird statue i hate this I'm tired. i hate this bird statue. i'm tired of the hunt i'm glad it moved to the dump so we got to see julian covered in more garbage hilarious but i'm just tired of it i hate it so so much but you know what laura we're at the end of it thank god we have to be if we at this this week we got to basically the end of it i think well it finally ended up in ivy's clutches yeah so that makes me feel hopeful more confident yeah yeah so yeah Let's let's very quickly talk talk about Julian at home and he's in a panic and he calls Eve to see where they are on the bird statue. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like, did you talk to your daughter about the bird statue? Blah, blah, blah. And Eve tells him she's not sure uh, if it's the same bird statue or not. And Julian blames Eve for the whole thing. And Eve says, I don't want this to come out any more than you do. And uh, she goes, I mean, I committed arson, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Because it's like, yeah, she committed arson. She also, like, it was a hit and run. Yeah. Like, she ran over this old man. For sure, this was Eve. Yeah. And then burned down, down his, his home. She's horrible. And then sedated him oh. to try and keep him from finding out about anything. She. She's awful. Yeah. She's a, de- and she's a desperate woman. Like, mm. yeah, she's mm-hmm. desperate to keep this secret hidden eve is on the phone with you Ju- with julian she hears tc coming down the stairs she says i can't talk now hangs up the phone julian immediately calls her back tc answers the phone this time mm. and that's when julian does what that's when julian puts on an extremely offensive asian accent that neither of us are going to imitate no no and i think everyone in the show knew how bad it was because Almost every character who heard on heard it commented on it and said as much. I don't know who, at whose insistence this was included, but it seemed very clear to me as a viewer that most people were not happy about it and and yeah. insisted on making a comment about it in in the show, making a point of like this is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like everyone commented on it. Yeah, and uh, Ivy overhears this 
It's like, what the hell are you doing? This bad Chinese accent. Why are you doing this? And does it have something to do with the mysterious bird statue? She's just like stuck on this bird statue. She says, there's an old Chinese proverb that says a man with a fake accent is a man who lies, which is funny to me. She knows. She, she knows. knows. Well, of course. I mean, she's been married to this man for what, like 30 years at this point? Yeah, almost. this idiot. And uh, she knows him. When ha- when has she ever heard him doing this? Why And why? This is out, yeah. far out of the ordinary. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, back at the Bru- Russell home, TC wants to star 69. Remember star 69? Oh. <laughs> Flashbacks. TC wants to star 69, the number to see who it is or wh- who it was. And Eve stops him saying it was probably just a prank call or a wrong number. And luckily Sam comes over and kind of like stops all of this in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then. TC enlists Sam's help in in finding this bird statue because it's lost. They're like, it's lost because Sam's the chief of police. He's the chief of police and he's going to spend his fucking day doing this. His time off. He's going to spend detecting a puzzle box. <laughs> Y'all, what does, I guess nothing happens in, in Harmony. He doesn't have anything else to like investigate. That's yeah. why they don't need new detectives. Well, that's, the- <laughs> that's why it's been so long for Luis to make detective. They don't need a detective. <laughs> well, and this is how they're spending their time because they're supposed to be on their way to the Bennett house to have brunch with Grace. She's like cooking brunch for them, isn't she? Wasn't that the whole thing? Was that the whole thing? Why did he, why did, why would Sam come to their house? I don't know. But like they mentioned it a few times because they all ended up back at the Bennett's like having a brunch. I don't know. Either way, he comes over and, and, uh, At this point, Eve knows it's the bird statue she's been looking for and knows that Simone is the last person who had eyes on it. So she calls her daughter and learns that she threw it in the trash. And even though she threw it in the trash, TC is like, well, it's still important. We need to find it. And Eve's like, it's not. Don't worry about it because she wants to sneak out and look for it herself. Well, also, this this was very irritating to me as well. Why? Why? Why is this bird statue so important to you? Not Eve, but to TC. Mm-hmm. TC's like, oh, it's at the dump. We need to go out there and find it. Why? What? At the dump? What? You're going to pick through garbage? What? Why? I Like, I get Eve's motivation for it. Right. But TC, what? Especially, you're going to pick through trash to find this thing that your daughter threw out because she doesn't care about it. And the whole reason that you say you're going to go dig through the city dump is because your daughter cares about it. But she threw it away. It was so stupid. Well, and then later on, the pretense is that they, that Eve wanted to get it out for TC because TC cared so much about getting it opened and that TC wanted to get it out because Eve cared so much about getting it opened. It, it, it's so stupid. It's like this tornado of considerate being considerate. <laughs> and it's very annoying because no, no four people would care so much about another person's non-attachment to this item that they would all end up at the dump. You know what I mean? Like at the it's, town At the dump. dump. Not at the recycling center, not at the Goodwill, like, distribution center. Like, at the dump, Mm -hmm. trash, garbage, garbage. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's it's so, oh, I'm sorry. I just, as I was watching, I was just like, what? What? Who wrote this? Who wrote this? I need to know, and I need to talk to them. I need to have a conversation with this person. Well, Mr. Riley is not with us anymore. Maybe it was one of the other writers. <laughs> we need to get, get them on the phone. If y'all know them, please tell them to give me a call. <laughs> we have some questions. I have lots of questions and complaints. <laughs> Constructive criticisms for the reboot. <laughs> oh, if only. I, it might happen. It might happen, but like they won't even stream the show on Peacock. Like, I wonder why. 
I it must have it must be it it's one of two things in my opinion. One, it's a license licensing issue since Directv bought it. Mm. Two, NBC is like super um, ashamed that they ever aired this. Ah, I see. <laughs> like they're trying to bury it. Well, <laughs> that's why they keep taking it down off of YouTube. I think we're gonna keep it alive, baby. Oh, living on through us and like so many other people. People love this show and yeah. and want it. Like they should be. They could make so much money because people would stream it. Mm-hmm. But mm, that's none of my business. <laughs> but I'm about to make it my business anyway. TC wants to go to the dump. Eve says no. And, and, you know, she stops him very strongly. And he's like, but why, honey? What's so, what's such, what's the big deal? And she says, well, two upstanding gentlemen like you shouldn't be go dig, go digging through the dump. What would people say? And so then TC's like, my wife, lo- she loves to keep up the appearances. And I can't blame her when you're a perfect, you're as perfect, perfect as she is. Of course you care about appearances. And so like, okay. That's also, to me, that's not a compliment. Yeah. You're, you're so perfect and you love to keep up appearances. Mm-hmm. Well, that, well, it's, you know, he unintentionally clocked her right there. Yeah. This entire, this entire thing is a pretense of her keeping up a certain facade, keeping up an appearance so that she is, um, perceived a certain way other than her true identity and her actual past. Right. Yeah. So TC relents and says, okay. Yeah. Oh, Sam came over to play basketball. That's right. Yeah, that's they, right. Even though he was dressed in like, well, maybe he had on jeans. I was about to say he was in like slacks, but he might have had on jeans. Anyway, they CC's like, let's go play some basketball. And so they go out back and go play basketball. And Eve tells them she has to go to the hospital, but she doesn't go to the hospital. She calls Julian and they go to the dump. Mm-hmm. But before they go there, she calls Ju- She calls the crane mansion and Ivy answers the phone. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious. It, I mean, it's, Ivy's suspicions are just warranted. Yeah, her <laughs> suspicions are completely warranted. I mean, now Eve's calling her fucking house asking for Julian. I mean, come on. How more obvious could you be? Insane. Also, why doesn't Julian have a cellular phone? Right. Why wouldn't she call his cell phone? All the other cranes have cell phones. He has He has to have one. Maybe they, maybe they have the one family phone and Ethan has it out in the cabin. Because he does have a cell phone with him. Oh, maybe. Maybe they, maybe they share. Share a cell phone? I guess it is the year 2000, but I had a cell phone in 2000. My, my dad had one. Oh, I definitely didn't. Oh, we did. Oh, well, we didn't even, we had the family phone that we yeah. would share and we didn't even get that till we were like, till I was 18. My dad works like networking stuff. So we, he always had access to like old cell phones, old laptops, old computers. We always had a lot of like tech like that in our mm-hmm. house. Cause you know, his jobs would be getting rid of things and he would just take things and bring them home mm-hmm. and there'd be older things, but it was like, nobody I knew had a fucking laptop but I did and mm. you know my because my dad worked in like networking mm. so I had a cell phone and show and so should Julian Crane I had a fucking cell phone in my we live below the fucking poverty poverty line like I, Julian Julian Crane should have a cell phone well not only does he not have a cell phone but he has a a, a penchant for answering a penchant for answering the phone in the living room he doesn't even take the phone call in his office. Yeah. It's like he's begging to get caught. Oh, my gosh. So Ivy answers the phone and Eve goes, um, may I speak to Julian? Is Julian there? All frazzled. 
Ivy says, oh, my, 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 Eve, why would you be calling my husband? And she says, it's just about hospital business. And then Ivy says, I hope you're a better doctor than you are liar, Eve. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And so then she just like slyly hands the phone to Julian. It's like, it's your mistress. He mm-hmm. did. She doesn't say that, but you know. Julian gets the phone and Eve tells him that she's going to the dump to find the bird and that he needs to meet her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he then hangs up the phone and very quickly walks out very suspiciously. Ivy's standing there watching him. Yeah. There's no subtlety to what Julian does. I'm not sure that Julian does anything subtly, actually. No, no he's an idiot. He's a buffoon. Yeah. He's a buffoon who he's loves to ha- be on display. He's a ham. Yeah. Julian's a ham. I'll bet he would be great. Like, not the not the actor, but the character of Julian. I'll bet he'd be great on stage. Yeah. I think he's I think he's putting all of his energy into the wrong thing. Yeah. Like I don't think being a bad guy is really what he should be doing. He should be a I thespian. Think he should be excelling on the stage. A troubadour. There you go. Um yeah, so he goes out, he goes to meet uh Eve and uh meanwhile a homeless man has the bird statue and has seen Ivy's ad in the paper and he doesn't have enough money to make the phone call cuz he needs some change to call the number in that paper. So he goes into the dump where Jul- Julian and Eve are, and he asks them for quarters. And Julian makes a big like deal about it. It's like, no, God, man, get away from me! How dare you approach me? <laughs> it's like you're standing in the trash too, dude. Yeah. And Eve gives him some quarters and um, asks him if he's seen a bird statue. But of course, he's like, no, because he thinks she's gonna take it and not pay him. But like, if I were him, I would be like, yeah, but would you pay me for like? How much are you willing to pay for it? I think he's um, miffed because of how Julian treated him. I think that's part of the reason he's like, fuck it. I know I can make a sale. I'm just going to call and do this. Like, I'm not going to fuck with these people. I get that. But they're standing right there. And Eve was really nice to him. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But yeah, I think if you were constantly mistreated and ignored and, you know, abused that if if someone came at you that way you wouldn't you yeah. wouldn't even stay or stick around i certainly wouldn't so he goes back to the phone and he makes the phone call and pilar answers the phone oh yeah pilar the woman who never lies the woman who never never ever lies now ivy's been walking around this house talking about this bird statue i want that bird statue i want that bird statue Pilar answers the phone. The guy says, I saw you ad in the paper about a bird statue. Pilar says, I think you have the wrong number. Hangs up. Ivy goes, who was that? And she goes, they had the wrong number. And Ivy says, oh, I, I had kind of hoped that it would be about the bird statue. And Pilar goes, nope, with a straight face. Like she had no trouble. She had no trouble at all lying. Uh-huh. None. Mm-hmm. None whatsoever. Pilar doesn't lie my ass. I just watched her lie. Twice. Like an expert. Back to back. Pro style. Okay. She lies perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where that's, that myth is coming from. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the myth that uh, Eve is an angel, right? Yeah. Yeah. None yeah. of these people know anything about each other. <laughs> no, they don't. Not at all. None of these people know each other. They've been friends for 20 years. They've yeah. known each other all their life. No one knows each other. Yeah. So much secrecy. So many secrets. So meanwhile, while all of this is going on, TC and Sam decide that they're going to go to the town dump too. Mm-hmm. So they show up to the fucking dump and Eve hears them coming 
and she hides Julian in a trash heap, which was hilarious. I loved this. I loved all of. I loved <laughs> Julian found something and dumped it out. I was like, this looks like the remains of Grace's tomato soup cake. Hilarious. Dumped it out, and then yeah, and then is basically sitting on that shit, and then Eve starts piling garbage on top of him to hide him. Yeah, and he deserves it. Oh, he deserves worse. Mm-hmm. And so does Eve. She sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I can't stand her right now. But he's funny. Yeah, you know, he's funny. Like, Julian covered in trash is funny. I don't think Eve covered in trash. I don't think that could be funny to me. Yeah, it'd just be kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they see her at the dump, and she lies and says she came down to find the bird statue because she thought that TC cared so much about it. And uh, he's like, oh, honey, I have the perfect wife. What? 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 This woman stopped you from coming to the dump by saying... Oh, we, what would it look like to have two distinguished people digging through the trash? We have to keep up appearances. He's a PE teacher. She's a goddamn doctor. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying one job is better than the other, but if we're talking distinguished professionals, he wears sweatpants to work. <laughs> okay. And uh, she's a fucking doctor. Well, if anybody shouldn't be rooting around the trash, it's her. You and I know that no job is better than another job. Like we, we believe that, but I think that many people in the world, I mean, we know that many people in the world disparage teachers and think about that as a completely different uh, tier than that of a doctor. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't make her, her excuse and the way that she clearly perceives herself doesn't, doesn't work. It just, none of this works. He buys it though. He buys every last bit of it. Mm -hmm. All of it. He bought it out. She sold out of her bullshit. She sold out because he bought it all. Yeah. Well, she, he, he buys it. And then they all are like, Oh, we should probably get going. My note is that, Sam and TC run into Eve and she talks them into heading over to the Bennett's for brunch. Yeah. They look around for a little bit, but she goes, I've already looked over there when they're about to find Julian. She's like, I already looked over there. I really think it's hopeless and we're already late for a brunch. Yeah. So then they go over to the Bennett home for brunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who should show up at the Bennett house, but the homeless man trying to hawk the statue girl, this shit was crazy. <laughs> okay. So they're all in the kitchen talking about whatever. Also, they've all been in the dump digging around. They're going to stinking. They're going to sit at this woman's kitchen table and eat food together. What the fuck? Seriously. I would have been like, I need to go home and take a shower. And she, she notices the smell. The thing. So the thing is, is the homeless man comes to the door pretty immediately so grace is dealing with that before she gets the story about why they were at the dump yeah right so but yes why would you why would you show up like that well uh, why would you show up like that and then yeah no they they talk about being at the dump they talk about the bird statue they talk about all of that and they talk that's the thing that really aggravated me they do talk about the bird statue Mm -hmm. to grace Mm -hmm. and tell her why they went to the dump to get the bird statue and then she answers the door it's the homeless man asking her if she wants to buy the bird statue because he goes i saw i saw a sign in your shop window why are you at my house then right well, Who told you to come over here? Maybe Jessica was like, I can't, I can't make oh, you know, yeah. decisions about this. Go ask my Go mom. Ask, maybe. Cause poor Jessica's working while all the other kids are on a fucking ski trip. But lucky, luckily for her, <laughs> <laughs> she's missing out on all the drama. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, he shows up with a bird statue, wants to sell it. She says, I don't really buy things like this. Maybe try the collectible shop down the street. Mm-hmm. And he fucks off. She goes back into the kitchen and tells them, huh? What an odd coincidence. A man came here. He's trying to sell me a bird statue. It's been such a weird day for bird statues bitch bitch are you fucking serious i think that the reverse happened i think that the that the interaction with the man at the door happened before she found out that they were at the dump digging for the statue 
I'm, I, or at least that's how I put it in my notes. And I may have corrected that for myself to make it make sense. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure she was like, oh, it is a coincidence. I, but I told him to go to the collectible shop. So maybe you'll be able to find it there. Maybe that's not how I remember it, but maybe. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, yeah, Grace describes the man to Eve. Cause Eve's like, what does this man sound, look like? Cause mm-hmm. when she comes back to the kitchen, she tells her and Eve can hardly stand up straight. She like falls into her seat. <laughs> and, um, uh, she said, she describes the man to her and Eve says, I saw that fucking man at the dump. I asked him if he had a bird statue and he told me no. She's like, <laughs> she's, she's getting really bent out of shape about this irate eve then leaves saying she needs to go check on her patients yeah this is when she uses the excuse i'm going to the hospital i have work i have to do Mm -hmm. and that we have to make a note of that because but right before she leaves tc's leg starts acting up again and she's like why don't you just come to the hospital if there's something wrong we can address it and he's like no 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 it's not that bad she's like fine i'm gonna fuck off to the hospital then yeah um and of course she that's not where she's going no she she leaves to to go to the collectible shop she leaves called she calls julian on her fucking cell phone her cell phone yeah not she calls his. julian on her fucking <laughs> cell phone and tells him to meet her at the alley in the alley in front of front street okay whatever she's like i the i think i know where the bird statue is basically we have to find it mm-hmm. girl if you know where it is go find it what do you need julian for Right. Why does she keep involving him if she doesn't need to? What do you need Julian for? I get calling him to come to the dump to help you look. Yeah. I get that. But but if you're going to go to a shop. Yeah. Just go look around for it. Yeah. You don't need him. And it just makes it look suspicious. So suspicious. I don't know. Maybe maybe Eve wants to spend time with Julian. Mm. And he does make that point a little bit. Yeah. He starts he starts hitting on her uh, grotesquely like as always. I would like to return to TC mm-hmm. back at the Bennett house. So his leg is bothering him. Eve has lied to him and said she's going to the hospital. And he starts, Sam starts trying to peel the story out of TC. What's going on with the leg? I've been clean with you about Ivy and my past with her. Why won't you be clean with me about your past and what's going on here? And, and TC finally starts to talk a little bit about the story you know, I was an up and coming tennis star. I was at a regional final playing Julian. I had smashed him every other time we'd ever played together and I should have paid more attention, but, but something happened. We don't know what happened, but he says Julian stood to gain the most from winning that match and from me losing. So I believe that he was involved. Yeah. I I can't prove it, but I'm pretty sure he had something to do with ruining my career. Mm -hmm. And Sam's like, wow, thanks for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so we get that little ca- caveat, which I think we already kind of figured, right? Yeah, but Sam Sam didn't know. And we, like, I think we figured it out, but they had never expressly told us that. And But I also think it's important that TC has jumped to this conclusion. We have no actual proof that Julian had anything to do with it. So he, he probably did, but we don't actually know that. Mm. So I think that's interesting because there's a lot of room that it could be a grudge for no reason. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And it's that, probably not, but this that is also a story that takes an interesting turn. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so Ivy gets a phone call from that man again. He call he calls the mansion. This time Ivy answers the phone. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, I heard an ad in the paper about um Bird statue, you still interested? And she's like, fuck yeah, where you want me to meet you? And so she goes down to meet him. But before she stops and t- tells Pilar, someone called about a bird statue, and they also told me that they called earlier, and someone told them they had the wrong answer. I mean, the wrong number. That was you, wasn't it? And Pilar's like, yeah, but I did it for your own good. 
<laughs> yeah, she tr- she defends herself. Um, and they have like the same conversation they have had for two hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. Two hundred episodes they've been having this fucking conversation. Ivy just won't listen to reason. No, she won't. But I I love that Julian comes home and kind of interrupts this. And I was like, what are you doing? Why do you have this smile on your face? Why do you look so happy? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, let's just say I have a date with destiny. And then she flies out the door and yep. it was just perfect. Yep. It again made me just think, gosh, she is Teresa. She, yeah, Oh my God. These two are one and They're the same. So much alike. So she goes out, she buys that fucking statue from the homeless man for 50 bucks. He thinks he's like getting over on her. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, let's say, uh, 50 bucks and she's like oh my you drive a hard bargain like she's a billionaire (laughs) and does she have bills smaller than hundreds everyone who sees this statue seems to think it's this impressive item like a collector's item that you must have at your house and i don't understand why it is hideous yeah well julie and eve meet up down at the pier to look for the homeless man they're like around the corner from ivy yeah but it's too late he's already sold it they find him he's Mm -hmm. already sold it and uh that's that's that Mm -hmm. yep that's that uh and at the very end of this tc calls the hospital to check on eve and see how everything's going and learns that she never showed up yeah i I mean don't call me at work Hmm. interesting Interesting. is that just me is that just me i mean yeah don't Don't call call me me at at work work. unless it's something important right don't call me at work yeah because then i my brain automatically goes to oh my god there's an emergency something's wrong yeah Mm -hmm. don't call me at work all right okay Mm -hmm. let's talk about magic yeah let's get into some magic magic the gathering the gathering at the ski lodge (laughs) okay so tabitha and timmy rush to the ski lodge so they can enact their newest plan to kill miguel bury him in an avalanche love it fucking love it at the ski lodge Kay decides the best way to remove charity from the love triangle is to have her break some bones and or die on a dangerous ski run through a series of misfortunate events some magical and some not Kay's plan is foiled and charity winds up at the slope with miguel but little do they know that in just a few moments the whole mountain's gonna explode oh my god it's an avalanche Oh my god. Oh my god, it's an avalanche. 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 It oh my god, it's an avalanche. I loved this so fucking much this week. Okay. So, let's talk about cave. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's just get this shit out of the way. Kay is complaining about charity showing up to this ski trip. And makes like some insane, uh, she has this insane idea that Charity pretended to not want to come on the trip so that Miguel would just miss her more when she showed up. Kay, I don't know. Is she paranoid? Like, where do these ideas come from? They make no sense. They're not grounded in reality. Uh, Like her opinions about her cousin are insane. And then what's worse is her 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 new ploy to get rid of charity. Basically, we've gone back to she's just going to kill 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 charity. Thank you. Kill charity. Well, first she's like if only I could get that bird statue up here. We have to go back to we have to go back to Harmony and get the bird statue. Huh? 
what huh how didn't y'all ride up here on a bus yeah she's like we can take a cab back to harmony we're gonna cross country ski ourselves down to harmony to get the bird statue and then head back up the mountain uh simone tells her no i'm not doing that well Kay overhears the phone call with eve and learns that simone threw the statue away yeah and so i was worried for simone's safety when when Kay heard this conversation yeah Kay was was gonna kill her Kay was pissed but then she comes up with a whole new plan to just maim charity and it this escalates over the course of the five episodes. So at first, Kay's like, oh, she might just sprain her wrist. She might just fall down. I'm just going to incapacitate her so she can't ski anymore. And then it turns into she's going to break a couple of legs. She might she might crack a rib. Yeah. She might die. She literally says she's going to have broken bones to go with her broken heart once I take Miguel. Mm. The fuck? She, this girl is a fucking villain. I would call her a super villain, but none of her shit ever works out. (laughs) There's nothing super about her. Mediocre at best. Her imagination's pretty super. Her (laughs) imagination, her delusion is super. She's got, she's super delusional. Super delusional. (laughs) She is the unlovable lunatic to Teresa's lovable lunatic. Yes. Like Kay is just as delusional and, but it's dark. It's so dark. And also I will say, Ethan constantly gives Teresa things to be delusional about. That's Miguel true. gives Miguel gives Kay dust. That's true. Miguel says repeatedly, "You're such a good friend, Kay." Miguel gives Kay absolute dust and yeah. nothing more. Yeah. So I don't like at least Teresa. I mean, the man has kissed her, rubbed his naked body on her, mm. like tells her how perfect she is has told her multiple times how beautiful she is those eyes are incredible enchanting i could get lost in your eyes has ever- taken on taken her on romantic dates we should dance all night we fit together so perfectly he took her to the ballet jesus but we're not talking about them right now <laughs> <laughs> that's right we're talking about Kay, who has had none of these things happen with miguel not a not one. even close not even close all he goes is you're such a good buddy you're my best friend mm-hmm. oh boy Yes, she's going to trick Charity into going up to Pine Ridge Slope and skiing down it, even though Charity is a beginner. And Simone says to Kay, she says, we've been skiing our whole lives and I don't think we could ski that slope. It's the most dangerous slope up here. Mm. And uh, Kay's like, we know that, but she doesn't know that. So she convinces Charity to go up to the slope with her, right? She's like, you got to come up with me. But just then, Tabitha and Timmy have arrived to this. Oh my God. The scene of them driving up the mountain. Yes. It made me think of Corella DeVille. They turned it into a meme where Corella DeVille is like careening around the corner in the snow with that car. And that's all I could think of with her eyes like lit up and she's got all all the veins popping out. It just made, it was maniacal. This was fantastic. (laughs) Timmy's terrified. And she's like, we got to get there in time. Tim, Tim. Hilarious. So they get to the ski lodge wearing ski masks so nobody recognizes them. (laughs) And then Tabitha makes a phone call because Timmy's like, how are we going to get Miguel to the top of the mountain? How are we going to get him up there? And how is it going to be Charity's fault if we set everything up? And so she makes a phone call and asks to speak to Charity in like a fake voice. Yeah, she's impersonating a man. Impersonating. What what, what was he supposed to be? Like the... The ski guard, a ski patrol, yeah, snow patrol, something yeah. like that. Snow patrol, Paw patrol. <laughs> <laughs> it's chance. Um, so she calls and asks for charity of all people. 
Well, she calls and asks for charity so that charity will pass on the message, message to Miguel. But it it just doesn't make any sense yeah. why they would be calling charity. Because Char- charity says as much. She's like, the person you need to talk to is Miguel Lopez Fitzgerald. And you, you actually made the good point off the air that none of these children should be involved because what the reason that Tabitha gives for needing to talk to Miguel is that he is the student representative on the trip and there are kids from their high school causing trouble on the mountain on Pine Ridge Slope on Pine Ridge Slope and he needs to go deal with it no where are the adults the adult chaperone needs to go deal with it where are the adults but they're not there what so the child has to go up to a dangerous slope and deal with his peers and and like discipline his peers right what Anyway, so Kay has Kay and Simone are going off to Pine Ridge Slope to wait on Charity. She she has said like, "Don't make us wait too long. Like you're definitely coming, right? Like I would be really disappointed if you don't come. And Miguel will be upset if he finds out you're not doing things because of him. Like you should come out with us." And so Simone and Kay have gone to the top of this slope and are waiting for Charity. And Charity makes the phone call, passes on the, goes to find Miguel and Mm -hmm. plans to go to Pine Ridge Slope. But then uh, while Kay and Simone are at the top of that mountain waiting for Charity, what happens? These two bums come out of nowhere. These two dudes, I don't know if they go to high school with them or if they're some randos, but they go up to Kay and Simone and basically tease them and make fun of them. And, oh, you're, you could never ski this slope. You are scared of it. And just making fun of them. And Kay retorts back. And I actually really liked it. She stood up for herself. She's like, suck on snow, assholes, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and these guys push them down, down the, the most dangerous, I don't know, double black diamond ski run that is at this lodge. Yeah, push them down the ski slope. It was crazy. That was assault yeah. at best murder at worst Mm -hmm. so (laughs) these girls get pushed down the slopes and uh then miguel has left the is about to leave the lodge and wants reese to come with him he tells charity that it's too dangerous for her to go up to pine ridge slope Mm -hmm. and so he asks reese to come with him and so they go up to the top of pine ridge slope miguel and reese right right tabitha and timmy go up the mountain as well and tabitha sets dynamite in the snow Okay, I need to talk about the fuse because it was, I don't know, a mile long. It was so long. It was draped over trees and under brush. It's like, why is this fuse so long? And why isn't it a straight shot? Like, why are we impeding the the flame to light the dynamite? It was so long. So, yes, they put the flame. I mean, they put the dynamite in the snow. She they're looking through their binoculars because they're, I guess, on a different. I guess they're on a different. Like, where are they? Because they get caught in the avalanche. Right. I'm not. But they're using binoculars to like see Miguel. And they're far enough away that they can kind of make out Miguel. But they think that that is Reese. And I... don't realize it is who? Charity. Charity. And Miguel somehow thought that Reese was with him? So stupid. I would be so offended if, if my boyfriend thought I was some man. Also, they have to get up to the top of the slope. Where did, did they just go in complete silence? And not speak a word to each other? I guess so. For like half an hour? I guess so. They just did the dude thing where they don't talk to each other? I don't know. I don't think dudes do that. I don't know. Just sit in silence. Don't talk about anything. Don't comment on anything. I thought that was so weird. Yeah, they had to take the lift. Maybe, maybe Miguel got on one lift and Reese or Charity got on the lift behind him just so he wouldn't be suspicious. Maybe. Oh yeah, and maybe, maybe she, he like didn't turn around and realize that she's a full 
two feet shorter yeah I, <laughs> than Reese. How could you ever possibly mistake, mistake charity for Reese? Come on now. It's just another passion's inconsistency. It was, obs- where it was we, so stupid. We just have to engage in some magical thinking to make this make sense. It was more, it was beyond magical thinking. <laughs> so she takes off her little dis- quote disguise and she's like, I hope you, I hope you're not mad at me, Miguel, but I wanted to come with you and make sure nothing happened to you. Yeah. She's worried something bad's going to happen to her love. And so then they're standing up on the, the mountain. He goes, look how beautiful this is. How could you think anything bad would happen? Nothing bad is going to happen. They keep saying this. Nothing bad is going to happen. Then Tabitha lights the fucking fuse. And Timmy points out, oh my God, that's not Reese. That's Charity. So now Tabitha, this is what happened. Tabitha and Timmy are chasing the fuse, trying to get in front of the flame so they can cut the fuse so that it doesn't blow up the mountain. Because if Charity dies, they can't bring her to the dark side. Yeah, that ruins the plan. But remember, that, for like the first hundred episodes, they were just trying to kill Charity. That was So why wouldn't that a. just be fine? Right. Why wouldn't that be fine? Well, in any case, it's not fine. So they're trying to chase down this fuse. And I think that's why they end up in the avalanche. Instead mm. of being as far away as they had wanted to oh, be. Oh, okay. Because they had to put the dynamite so far. Right. Okay. And that's right. why the fuse was so long. Yeah. Okay. All I, right. I've, I've just now pieced it together. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I had to talk it out. But yeah. So um, they they don't catch up. They do not catch up to the fuse. That dynamite, that dynamite ignites and blows the fuck up. Blows that mountain. Like. To smithereens. To Jean-Luc smithereens. <laughs> um, and then everybody in every scene who's like on this mountain stops and goes, what's that sound? And then they look and they go, Oh my God, it's an avalanche. Oh my God. It's an avalanche. Oh my God. It's an avalanche. Oh my God. It's an avalanche. Like one right after another, the reaction is, Oh my God, it's an avalanche. And I fucking loved it. I rewound it. I loved it so much. And one of the things I really loved was like, the scenes of the the avalanche, which was were like National Geographic style avalanche, like great production value. Well, I mean, it looked like a real avalanche transposed against like this these fake ass Hollywood sets <laughs> <laughs> with snow that just looks like it's the um you know when you punch a hole in a piece of paper it just looks like the leftovers it's, whatever those are called <laughs> it's like the shit from the mall around the Santa around the mall Santa <laughs> it just couldn't look more fake and yeah interspersed with these beautiful Nat Geo moments of, of an actual snow avalanche it was just hysterical okay and so honey let's talk about the let's talk about the aftermath of the avalanche with charity and miguel and tabitha and timmy really quickly yes so uh charity cannot find miguel she's she's fine she's like miguel miguel where are you where are you she's panicking 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 she finally finds him digs him out of the snow and he's like looks like he might be dead yeah he's got a like a trickle of blood that's running from his mouth to his ear yeah and she's like why didn't i listen to my visions can we talk about this fake ass cry yeah when you're in a scene it has to go somewhere and if you start at 10 you have nowhere else to go so she started at 10 and basically all of like episode five was her just going oh my god and it just never went anywhere i should have listened to my vision i lost my mother i can't lose you too (laughs) and then we get a cross my heart hope to die well 
Well, <laughs> well, you got your motherfucking wish. I, I your song. <laughs> you chose the song. It sounds like you got your wish. Um, because we get like the cross my heart and it's like a whole montage. The worst possible montage. Like I hated this montage. I just don't like them. <laughs> I don't like Charity and Miguel. I just need a, I don't know, a different character. I'm still rooting for Charity over Kay, but I think Miguel needs to get with Jessica or something. I don't know. I, I think Miguel needs to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I think he needs to get out of this town. Yeah. He just needs to go to, I don't know, go to trade school, go to college, Somewhere. start working at the Costco, do get, something. Get out of Harmony, yeah. man. You, you've got potential. He works on that fucking, um... oh, he works on the fishing boat, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Well, I was talking about his, um, thing he rides what's the thing he motorcycle. rides motorcycle <laughs> i was thinking about the thing he rides the the motorcycle he, you know he can fix that thing yeah, he knows he's how to, he's, he's got skills he fixed that doorbell yeah. shirtless he fixed the sink i think he worked up a real sweat working on that doorbell <laughs> that one time i don't know he can do things he should get out of harmony yeah he's too good for this town he's, he's too good for these girls definitely true yeah so uh, she, he looks like he might be dead. We're not sure. We don't know for sure, but it looks it is looking that way. Charity's pretty sure. He doesn't wake up in these episodes. No. Also, on the other part of the mountain, Tabitha is desperately seeking Timmy, and this was so sad. Broke I my teared heart. Up. I teared up. Like it's the difference between like a veteran actress mm-hmm. versus like a, a young child actress. You know, mm-hmm. like sh- this woman is crying over a fucking doll. Like Timmy, Timmy's not real. And it, it broke my heart, broke my heart. (laughs) Like it really did. Like she was like, Timmy, this isn't funny. Timmy, come out. Tim, where are you? Cause she starts at, like you said, you can't start on 10. She starts at one and works her way up to 10 Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. She's looking for him. She's like, well, it's not exactly the result I wanted, but you know, charity's, if charity's dead and Miguel's dead, it's, it's partially right so i should get my start getting my powers back and then she realizes that timmy is like nowhere to be seen she, she thinks he's joking she's like come out and then she oh maybe he's in doll form everything's fine she starts looking for him she cannot find him and she find when she finally digs him out he's not in doll form he's in he's in human timmy form and mm-hmm. he's not breathing yeah and she's pleading with him like wake up i can't lose you she's holding him she cries don't leave me timmy and she apologizes for all of the horrible horrible things she's ever done to him and then we get a montage of all the horrible <laughs> horrible things she's done to him and i loved it loved it and- and then afterwards, she says, I can't help being bad, but I wouldn't want any harm to come to you. Yeah. And Tim, Tab- Tabitha's plea to Timmy is so emotional. And then we get another Timmy montage, back to back Timmy montages. Yeah. We get another Timmy montage, but this one's more like the good times of Timmy and Tabitha having fun. Yeah. Um, but that first one was so hilarious it starts out with her on that bike with him on the the (laughs) chair and i had forgotten about that it was so great a witch on a bike a (laughs) witch (laughs) yeah um so she says i would do anything for you you know Mm -hmm. just come back and he wakes up and he says would you get rid of fluffy and it was perfect it It was was it was it was perfect the perfect way to break up like the heaviness with that little joke it it makes us all smile you know it's perfect tabitha and timmy are reunited at last yeah it was 
it was so good. Mm-hmm. Like it was really heartfelt. I fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's the uh, magic avalanche and everything. Mm-hmm. Now we can move on to Teresa. I w- and I would fate. Say, Teresa. All and fate. I'm just going to say fate. I've actually changed the headline of my notes because we're starting to get into more than just Teresa now. Yeah. Whitney, Teresa, Chad, and Ethan hit the slopes. Teresa and Ethan grow closer together while Whitney continues to fight her feelings for Chad. She quickly tires of the whole thing and insists that she and Teresa leave and go back to Harmony. But soon after the girls hit the road, they're hit by something else. Oh my God! It's an avalanche! (laughs) Ethan and Chad make a daring and snowy rescue. Chad pushes Whitney to be true to herself, but she clams up and says extremely hurtful things to him. Oh my God. Teresa reveals her deepest, darkest secret to Ethan. And later, Chad and Teresa commiserate over fate. Great. That's a great uh, summary. Thank you. You're so good at those. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, let's let's just start here at the beginning. Let's start from the very beginning. A very good place to start. When you read, you begin with A, B, C. When you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi. Do, re, mi. Do, re, mi. That's enough. We did this for so long. It's so hard to stop it. There's once no you start, place to start. Once you start it, it's hard the to stop it. The best place is do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti. Do, 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 do. A deer, a female. Dear God damn it. Hey, I drop a golden sun. I drop a fucking sun. A drop of motherfucking sun. Someone should sample that. Oh, we should. We should. So, uh, yeah, let's start from the very beginning. Not going to start the song again. This group of people who are staying at this cabin for some reason, um, <laughs> for, for some reason, for right? Some because reason. these two girls are supposed to be on a school trip. Again, where are the chaperones? <laughs> you can't just leave the school trip to go stay at your boyfriend's house. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. Well, that one, These two girls are fucking missing. Denise did get pregnant last year. Last the, year. The, because nobody was paying attention. Or whatever her name was. I don't, I don't the remember. Sandy. <laughs> Riz. Rizzo. Rizzo. It'd be Rizzo. If Rizzo got pregnant last Rizzo year got on the pregnant. ski trip. Yep. Okay. So okay. they go out for a ski. They go out for a ski and they get down the slope and Ethan immediately turns to Teresa and talks about how great he is at skiing and how nobody else could keep up with him before except for her. Yeah. And compares her to Gwen and says, even Gwen's not as good as you. What are you doing? I roll. I roll. And it would be one thing if he just complimented her, but he put down his girlfriend in order to compliment her while all, while building himself up. Yes. Like the whole thing. I just, I'm sorry. I know I rail about Ethan, but I can't stand him. No, he's, ooh. Ooh, he definitely crosses a few lines you here, know, too. You know, at the beginning of the show, when Ta- and I know I'm going way back, when Tabitha was the fortune teller, she told Eth- she told Teresa that she would marry a crane, but she never said it was Ethan, and I hope it isn't Ethan. I hate Ethan Crane. I don't want Teresa to end up with him. She's too good for him. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. I'm hearing you. I hope you. there's a cousin somewhere. Just anyone, <laughs> Alistair, I don't know, anyone. <laughs> my, my thing is, my thing is, I want Teresa to get what she wants. I want her to change her mind about what she wants. Yeah, I, I want her to win. I, I, I just want her to win and be happy, but I think she thinks she knows what will make her happy, but is wrong about what will make her happy. Mm. But I want, I want her to be, I just want to see her happy. I want to see that beautiful smile. To be fair, I think a lot of us are wrong about what will make us happy, mm-hmm. when, especially when we're 17. Oh, for sure. Right? Oh, my God, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So Teresa 
and Ethan are at the bottom of the slope. Then Whitney comes down and then they look up and they say, oh man, Chad's doing all right for a beginner. So Chad's coming down, but he has lost control and can't stop because he's never skied before. Right. And so he's trying to stop and Ethan and uh, Teresa get out of the way. But Whitney just stands there and gets run over, which of course she does. Get out of the fucking way. Were you at that rehearsal for, I think it was Figaro? No, I've heard about it. Oh my God. We were at this rehearsal for, for Figaro and we were staging this dancing scene and, uh, the, the actor playing Mazzetto just, we had rehearsed it three times and he was going to run into the crowd and we all had to disperse and it was going to make it look like he ran in and someone got hit. But that, you know, we're just, it's safety first. You have to practice this. Mm-hmm. And we did it like three times in a row. No problem. Half speed. And they're like, okay, let's do it full speed. Let's add the music. And this one woman just didn't get out of the way. And he ran her over. This man was huge. He was like six, five. Yeah. This woman was tiny. He, her head hit the ground. It was a raked stage. So she fell even further. It was, I mean, she was fine, but it was, and she's an old lady too. I mean, <laughs> watching that watching this scene gave me flashbacks that particular that particular woman was always just so fucking glassy-eyed she was always getting <laughs> falling off she's she, falling she all down oh my god this woman constantly is falling down getting in the way like being knocked over accidentally i mean when you do it three times in a row you're like okay great we know what we're doing and she just didn't move i actually i actually think she's a really <laughs> sweet woman but she, yeah she just won't move <laughs> i i have encountered that with her myself i'm like Same. girl move she like stood on my dress for like five minutes I was like I can't move unless you get off my my skirt multiple times I was like that's my spot they yes. put me there for a fucking reason you are supposed to be behind me one, <laughs> one time she decided that she liked my hat better than hers and she just fucking took it I was like it has my name on the inside of it that's my costume like you can't just have yeah. it all right <laughs> so th- so Whitney gets run over like this lady got ran over and uh he lands on top of her and she's like what are you doing get off he's like I fell I'm sorry it was an accident and you didn't fucking move you saw me coming and And I told you move I can't stop it's not his fault he was screaming as he's coming down the mountain I can't stop she just stood there and watched stood there she was mesmerized by him she was and Mm. and she's mad at herself for it and so she's just mean to him yeah so then they're like while that's going on Ethan like gives Teresa a very sexual ski tip. He like gets behind her and like grabs her waist and bumps. They like, he like bumps his fucking private parts up against her ass and like shows her how to stop or whatever. It's supposed to be a skiing tip, but it's really just a hip swiveling. It was very sexual lesson. Oh yeah. And then they fall down and then they fall down together. And then after Whitney has been, run over she comes over to Teresa, pulls her away she says i know what you were doing you know how to do that move like you didn't need him to show you i want to go home we need to go home now because whitney is feeling feelings and she doesn't like it she does not like it whitney is feeling feelings for chad and she tells Teresa, well i'm just worried that you're gonna get your feelings hurt and uh but the truth is she has feelings for chad and she doesn't know how to deal with them and Teresa knows Teresa's like why would we leave we're having fun we're skiing we've got a great place to stay and can't you just imagine being cozy with a a hot cup of cocoa with you know snuggled up with ethan and chad at night that sounds great and i think that's what really presses whitney because she's like no i cannot imagine being snuggled up with chad i am telling you right now that moment where Teresa started like saying that to her my heart started to palpitate like i was like "Ooh, this sounds so nice oh it's great i was like this would be so nice like i was like no i would i would 100 percent be friends with Teresa. Mm-hmm. I would be best friends with Teresa. Mm-hmm. Like you would get into some shit, but 
she like you're gonna get out of it every fucking time you're gonna get into some shit and then you're gonna stay in the lap of luxury and have a great time all the time Mm -hmm. all the fucking time Mm -hmm. oh my god Whitney doesn't understand how fucking lucky she is Because that sounds like they ha- are having an amazing trip. They're having an amazing trip. But Whitney, Whitney calls it quits. And Teresa's like, fine, you're uncomfortable. I'm not going to make you stay. So we'll leave. Great friend. Good Teresa's friend. such a good friend. Because again, if I was in Teresa's shoes, I'd be like, you can go. I'll <laughs> stay here. No, I, I no, I would not do that. But I would think about it. Like I would definitely, I definitely wouldn't be as gracious as Teresa was about it. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be very nice about it. Teresa. I'd be like, we can leave, but this is bullshit. And you need to, you need to come to terms with whatever your feelings are. Because mm-hmm. this isn't about me. It's about you. And you know it. But Teresa is nice and considerate and knows that now is not the time to do that with Whitney. So yeah. she's like, fine, we don't have to stay. If you don't want to stay, we can go. And Ethan offers them an extra vehicle because they have one there. Yeah, he's like, ever since you and I got stuck up here, my family just keeps a vehicle up here now. Okay, rich people. So, so just take this car. Okay, rich people. So they take the car. So the girls get in the car. They pack their things. They're driving down the mountain uh, after making their flimsy excuse when oh my, oh my god. god it's an avalanche it's an avalanche, it's an avalanche. and so they're in the car this was so dumb because Teresa's like hmm what's that noise they hear the rumbling what's Sounds that noise like a train yeah when he's like i think maybe it's a train just pull over to the side why would you pull over to the side if you think you hear a train yeah like do you see train tracks why would you pull over to the side if you think you see a train i didn't understand any of this because they pulled over and then they turn and see that the rumbling is the sound of the avalanche and then the next decision is they decide to make a break for it. Like l- get out of the car and run. And at first I was like, are you, so- I don't know anything about avalanches. I'm from a part of the country where everything is flat. Yeah. We get a lot of snow, but it's all flat. So it, I don't have to worry about that. And so I was like, is that a thing you're supposed to do? Are you supposed to leave the vehicle? Because if you get buried under the snow in the car, how the fuck are you going to get out with all that weight? Like, how are you going to get out? But if you're not in a car, you're going to get buried. And how can you breathe? I don't know. I don't know yeah, what to do. That's, that's the thing. I, I, I don't know either, so maybe somebody can tell us. Because then I started to think, well, if you're in the car, you're not going to be able to get out, and the car is basically going to turn into a giant icebox. Uh-huh. And you're not going to be able to push the doors open because it's so – but if you're under the snow, you can at least, like, use your body heat to start to melt the snow and try mm-hmm. to, like, dig out is what I would think. I don't know. Honey, anyway, it don't matter because this avalanche was – it wasn't really much of an avalanche if you ask me. These people were under half a foot of snow. the the people were but the car was like yeah fucked up yeah they're under like half a foot of snow are immediately found right Uh, chad and ethan see the avalanche oh my god it's an avalanche and then they're like the girls just went down the mountain we gotta go help them so they run after them and when they get to the car they see the car but nobody's in the car and they're looking for the girls and they find them immediately Teresa is unconscious yes she is and Whitney has a leg injury yeah and she's flipping out she's flipping out and I I was too when I discovered this like oh my god this is exactly what happened to her dad is this going to be the end of her tennis dreams how is TC going to take this because they're so wrapped up in each other with this tennis thing mm-hmm. you know and then what's going to happen with Teresa I was very worried about both of these girls yeah, me too. So Teresa's unconscious. Chad is helping Whitney and her leg. She has a cut on her leg and she's very upset. And then she passes out mm-hmm. and uh, Teresa's unconscious. And Ethan is in a full blown panic. He pulls her to gives her mouth to mouth. He's like, and he's going, come on, baby, breathe, baby. Come on, baby. Breathe for me. Breathe, baby. Yeah. He the kept calling her baby. Yeah. I noticed what that too. are you saying to this child? Mm-hmm. And Teresa comes to and very deliriously confesses her love to Ethan. Goes, 
I love you. I've always loved you. I've always loved you. It's and always been you. It's always been you. And then she kind of goes back out a little bit, but she's breathing again. So mm-hmm. he's carrying her. So these guys carry both of these girls back to the cabin. Uh, Chad takes Whitney to a bedroom, but Ethan lays Whitney on the, I mean, Ethan lays uh, Teresa on the couch. He starts like undressing her, like just to get her out of the, yeah, the wet, wet clothes, clothes and then get a blanket on top of her. But I was like, okay, all right. And let's, I guess, stick with these two. And- yeah, let's stick with these two really quickly. So yeah. in the living room, Teresa tells Ethan, you saved my life. It's fate. In her mind, she knows that she has told him she loved him. Like, she is aware of it. Mm-hmm. We know this. She has a conversation with Whitney. We know that she thinks she told him her feelings. She knows she told him her feelings. And so then they have a conversation that was very irritating. At first, okay, so... Ethan says, I need to talk to you about something serious. It's about what you said. Um, And I was like, oh, my gosh, this has to be a misdirect. There's no way that Ethan would be so upfront about this with Teresa. And it went on for such a long time that I was like, is it not a misdirect? But then it went on too long. And I was like, this, of course it is. And the whole thing was so irritating because Teresa is like, you heard what I said, so I did admit my feelings. I, I It feels so good to say out loud. I could go outside and shout it from the rooftop. Yeah, because he keeps go- he goes, I never knew your feelings ran so deep. Mm-hmm. I never knew that you had these feelings and um, that she, he was so glad that she had made his feeling her feelings known to him. He says that to her. Mm-hmm. He says that to her, and she goes, well, I, there's no point in denying it. I tried my best. I even made a promise to God, but there's nothing I can do. You know, my heart is, is just so taken, and I've never felt this kind of love before. And my family keeps telling me that I should just give up, and I shouldn't do it, but I'm so glad that, I, like, I can't believe that you are so understanding of this. And, and it goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And he says, well, of course I understand. True love never dies. My own love has been tested before. Just think about what happened with Gwen. We've done this for so long. And all well, of a sudden, honey, Teresa also gets over, is overjoyed, yeah. overjoyed. She throws her arms around him, hugs him, says, Ethan, I'm so glad that you understand. And like, she's unbelievably happy. Mm-hmm. And if I were Ethan, I'd be like, this is a weird reaction. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. This is odd. This is straight. He's a fucking lawyer. like uh, he can't deduce any fucking thing he's an idiot he must rely on his paralegals heavily heavily (laughs) that's all i have to say heavily this man is a moron because she has like such a reaction to this and he seems to think that she's talking about chuck chuck the character the paperclip heir we met him for five minutes a hundred episodes ago yes seriously The paperclip heir, which she should be with the paperclip heir. She really should. She She really should should Stop wasting her time with this loser. He seems nice and he's independently wealthy. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't have a, he said himself, he doesn't have a job. Y'all could just be traveling the world. You think this cottage is nice? Yeah. Wait till you see the paper, what paperclips can buy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Household staple. (laughs) LOL. Um, So Ethan crushes her by saying that he loves Gwen. And does not and has not understood anything that she has said to him for an episode for for 38 minutes. (laughs) 
Oh, so he starts talking about Gwen and this and like you said, this crushes her. She goes from elation to tears. Devastated. And he does not notice she's crying. This bitch is crying. And he does not notice. And he tells her, you can't give up on your love. And he's such an idiot. How could any man stand in front of you? You should tell him that you love him. He won't walk away. I promise. Yeah. You should tell the man you love that you love him. Mm -hmm. And he won't walk away from you. I promise. And then he gets the fuck up and walks away. Mm -hmm. I can't stand Ethan. (laughs) I cannot stand this moron. He's so dumb. He's so dumb. The more time we spend with him, the less appealing he becomes. And I didn't know it could get any worse. <laughs> like, I find him. I He's just so daft. Honey. Okay. Ethan is extremely daft. So Teresa is devastated. Okay. Chad overhears the tail end of this conversation. And he has just had his own horrible run in with Whitney. So let's talk about that before we talk about what Teresa and Chad talk about. Definitely. So let's go to the bedroom. We're in the bedroom. Whitney is on the bed. Chad has just deposited her there and is like, we've got to look at your leg. And she's like, and she keeps making the excellent point of you're not a doctor. You don't know what you're doing. And he makes the excellent point of it's an avalanche there. We can't, the phone lines are down. We can't make a call. We can't drive anywhere. The best you can do is me. And I have some experience with knives and wounds. Yeah. Like he's like, I've wrapped a few wounds and I can tell when something's been is like infected. Like I, I know the signs, Mm -hmm. you know, cause as you, when you've seen certain things, like when I, I've broken enough limbs to know when a bro- when a bone is broken mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so yeah, Whitney is making very good points and I understand why she's so she's terrified and mm-hmm. I think of it like like when I get sick and can't fucking sing mm-hmm. and like I'm terrified that my voice is just never gonna come back mm-hmm. like every time every single time it always comes back but that that like initial I can't phonate is it's terrifying right this is how I make my living. Yeah. Not only is it how I make my living, it's what brings me joy. Mm-hmm. And so if I can't do that for the rest of my life, she's worried she's not going to be able to play tennis for the rest of her life. And her, like you said, she's had this experience with her dad who had basically a parallel experience and he fucked up his leg and never played again. Right. And it ruined his career. So she's panicking and I fucking get it. Mm-hmm. I really get it. Mm hmm. Ugh, of I, course. And there's blood. It hurts. It's warm. She's she's like, there's too much heat. This doesn't feel right. What if it's what if it's what if it's really bad? And if we don't deal with it properly immediately, I can't come back from this. Yeah. So she's freaking out. And Chad, to his credit, has a pretty good bedside manner and talks her down and explains what he's doing and why he's doing it and what he sees and why she doesn't need to worry and how they're going to do everything they can to get her to a doctor quickly but then it takes a turn. Oh my God. Does it take a turn? Because Whitney keeps going on about how she's worried that this is going to ruin her career, ruined her dad's career. And then they kind of have a conversation about, is this really what you want for yourself? And kind of, she's like, of course it is. And he's like, mm, is it, you know, he's questioning her. She's upset because he's pushing her to think for once. Right. And think about herself for once. And so she gets angry and goes I have a goal Chad and you probably have never set a goal for yourself because it's too much work and then he says uh for your information I have set goals for myself in my music and I work very hard and like what does she don't get me wrong I'm sure she works hard on the court blah 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 but what the fuck does she know about working hard this man has like five jobs Mm -hmm. yeah to feed his fucking self yeah shut the fuck up Whitney about work hard he doesn't know about hard work he has 
five fucking jobs in this town. I that shit pissed me off so bad. And then she goes, well, you don't know what it's like to. um, Oh, because he says uh, you should be trying to figure out what you want for yourself and not just for your family. And she goes, how would you know what it's like to have a family? You wouldn't understand the pressure of wanting to make someone proud of you. You don't even know that your last name is your last name. Yeah. What a bitch. Yeah. That was so fucked up up and again she's backed into a corner Mm -hmm. and she's never felt the feelings that she's felt like this before she's never felt like this before so that fucking eve is coming out of her that's eve coming out of her eve coming out of her and i'll say what chad was was bringing up with her too is he said point blank quote have a real life as a young girl and not just a tennis machine Mm -hmm. so he i mean he has triggered this girl. She is so triggered. Yeah. So, 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 so triggered. Mm-hmm. And like, I get why she got mad. I mm-hmm. get why she got mad. Cause he goes, maybe, maybe he does make the horrible comment. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad if your tennis career got cut short. Yeah. That, the that I was like, uh, uh-uh. I get the sentiment, but the way he said it was really yeah. insensitive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, but then he, but then he explained it and I was like, okay. And he's, and he did that well. And there's no excuse for what she said to him. No, I agree. There's no excuse for what she said to him. Yeah. Because what he said to her was about tennis. And what she said to him was about his life and his family and who he is as a person. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, it was disgusting. You know, and like, it's such a painful, that's such a painful thing for him. Mm -hmm. He was abandoned at seven. Well, I, I, yes, I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. I also think it goes to show that she's attacking his identity because tennis is her identity, Mm -hmm. which tells you that there's something wrong yeah because what you do should not be all it should not be all encompassing of who you are well chad is very hurt by this and he says you know what i'm gonna give you a moment i'm gonna leave and he walks out Mm -hmm. he's like you know you are clearly upset i'm gonna leave you to it see if we can figure out a way to get a doctor up here yeah still trying to be nice to her still trying to help her Mm -hmm. so he goes to the living room and he overhears the tail end of the conversation between Teresa and Ethan and noted and he notices that Teresa's in fucking tears even though Ethan doesn't realize it (laughs) Ethan just gets up and walks away and Chad walks in and he comforts Teresa and he says I know how you feel about Ethan I know I I see how you look at him and we got to talk about this because this isn't good for you. (laughs) (laughs) And I care for you. I understand where you're coming from. (laughs) Yeah. And he's he's like, I, you know, I understand what it's like to have feelings for someone whose life is different from yours. And y'all are living two different worlds. Trust me. I understand. And maybe, maybe it is time for you to move on. Mm -hmm. And she says, I can't move on. I've tried, but fate keeps bringing us together. And he's like, huh? I know a little thing about about fate. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like, like he's on board. He's like fate is a strong, powerful force, but maybe sometimes we have to try to use our brains and overpower it and go mm-hmm. with our gut is what he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he's on board with the fate thing, and he's like, I feel, I feel you, but uh, is it is it worth is it, it worth it? Yeah. Uh, and then Teresa's like. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. She just <laughs> goes into full-blown hysterics. I'm, I know I'm just going to blurt it out, and now I'm going to have to see him all the time. Now that I've said it, I'm, I'm just going to want to say it again. And she 
runs towards the door and he has to like leap over the couch to get her because he's like you can't go outside (laughs) (laughs) there's an avalanche out there oh my god it's an avalanche (laughs) so he grabs her and holds her and tells like gets her tries to get her to calm down (sighs) chad's a nice guy chad's the best of these fucking people he's a really nice he's a goddamn gem yeah compared to these fucking people yeah salt of the earth oh chad yeah, so that's where we end it with these people this week, mm-hmm, right? That's mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, that's everything. Solid group of episodes. I guess we got to wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap this tool up. Okay. Remember, you can always catch us on our social media. We have a TikTok, an Instagram, and a Facebook, all at Passions Podcast. We also have a Twitter that's at Podcast Passions. You can check out our website, passionspodcast.com, where we have a forum. We have merch. We have uh, the episodes of this show that you're listening to right now. Oh, actually, I want to talk about this. Okay, so I have figured out a way to put the episodes up without me having to put them up one at a time. There will be a link to a um, Google Drive folder that is ours. So just click that link and you will be able to see up through. I think I'm going to put up through 260 right now. So um, just click the link and you'll be good to go. Mm-hmm. All right. So yep. we're fi- we're finally really doing it. We're really making it happen. Uh, send us an email. Let us know what you think. <laughs> Let us know your passion's origin story. Give us your opinion. Team Teresa, Team Charity. Let us know what you think about Shuis. Let us know what you think about us. Are we doing all right? You can give us a five-star rating. Yeah, and give and us a, a review. Nice review. Also, I would love to hear. So we're working on putting up a Patreon. We have gotten a few people tell us we should do a Patreon. So we're working on that. I would love to hear what types of things you would like to see on the patreon so that we can add those things in so please just let us know give us your input please because we're trying to build a community yep absolutely this has been a community for us we want it to be a community for you we're trying to bring back passions for real for real yeah so you can reach us through passionspodcast at gmail.com feel free to talk to us yes please all right and that's all she wrote here we go all right you are my passion for life